Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real-world tips, tricks, and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family, and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. Well, hello there, Mama. Welcome to 2023. Happy New Year. How's the break? How's the start of the year been for you? I hope it's been good. I was actually able to rest and recharge a bit, spent some time with my two boys, my husband down the beach, um, but now back into it. And I can't wait for what 2023 brings with Working Mama and also the Working Mama podcast. If this is the first time you're listening, thank you. If you're a long-term listener, thank you so much. Um, Really appreciate it. I'm very excited to bring you this week's episode with Dr. Catherine Hackman, who is the founder of the Courageous Kids Children's Storybook app, a practicing clinician and loving mother of two beautiful boys. As we all know, we go through so many transitions, and I'm sure that your kids don't always, you know, singing the praises and, you know, it's all going well first time round. Kids experience anxiety, they experience stress and unknown and, you know, emotions and things. And there is a way through, you know, um, storytelling and there's many different tactics that um, Catherine talks about that we can actually manage that as parents and recognise it and identify what to do about it. If you're looking for some strategies to help you, this episode is certainly going to be one that you will love. I would also really appreciate if you'd be able to share it maybe with someone that um, would be interested in or going through this uh, particular season of life at the moment or also leave a rating and review. That would be absolutely amazing. Now, without further ado, I'll let you get into it. Enjoy. Welcome, Catherine. Welcome to the Working Mama podcast. How's your day going so far? It's great. It's great to be here. Thanks so much, Karina. My pleasure. Look, we were just talking off uh, before we started. I think we could have actually talked for quite a while. We're like, oops, we've got to record a podcast here. And we've also been meaning to uh, do this uh, a number of times. We've we've had a few false starts, but I'm really looking forward to today's chat because it's all about transitions and we go through different transitions. And I was even just explaining to Catherine before, even the transitions out of COVID and lockdown, which seemed like many moons ago, but still so relevant, um, definitely in the way that our kids you know, adapt um, to different circumstances. Yep. But before we get into all the juicy, fun stuff, Catherine, do you want to just tell us a little bit about you and, you know, how would you best describe yourself and what's been your career journey to date? Okay. I'm a working mama. <laughs> I'm a, my, my, my work is I'm a doctor and my career journey has been very long yeah. as it is for most of us. I was lucky in a way. I went straight from school to uni and got through med school and did specialist training and blah, 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 and finally got out the conveyor, you know, did the conveyor belt and got spat out the other end. So I am very happy in my regular job, but um, I guess, and I love my regular job, you know, it's an absolute privilege to talk to patients and discuss problems and what's going on. And then most of my job is actually talking and coming up with a, you know, with explaining what's going on and coming up with a plan and motivating people to make the changes they need to make. And so That's quite a handy skill for parenting, really. I can imagine. Just quickly, what kind of doctor are you? Oh, I'm a. My kids call me a sugar doctor. Okay. (laughs) I'm an endocrinologist. 
So the next part of my journey um, is I've got two kids now and I guess through my eldest who found transitioning to preschool very tricky, I started thinking I was quite interested in the way we treat our kids and the very different styles that different people and parents have in terms of anything from she'll be right, mate, to really thinking things through and maybe even colluding with some anxieties and then everything in between. And so I guess when it comes to um, potential, you know, problems with kids in terms of anxiety, I'm definitely a hope for the best, plan for the worst kind of a person. And so I take that approach to parenting as well. And I'm quite like most mums, pragmatic, time poor, need things to run smoothly where they can. And so when it came to going back to work and those drop-offs that weren't smooth, I learned what a transition was. I didn't even know the word transition until I became a mum. Yeah. I think we should explain it. Yeah, go a transition for it. Yeah. Is just going from one place to another or one environment to another. A transition can be just leaving the house and getting out the door. And we all know that that's quite a tricky transition some days. Definitely, um, yes. Or it can be starting preschool or starting school. All of those are transitions. And we think of transitions for kids as um, any, cha- you know, any change in task or topic really. Yeah. But, and tra- not all transitions. And I think I know when I expected this is, um, you know, with childcare, I thought, oh, yeah, cool, you go, they you go to childcare or school or something like that, drop them off and away we go. But sometimes transitions actually are a bit longer than that. And just I always say even returning back into work is a transition that happens yes. also mentally over a number of months and not just you're physically going back to work on a particular day. So yes, how do, what is it about that transition that is quite sometimes not just, a I guess, a black and white situation? You mean like, well, I guess I guess there's always that hope when you're busy that a transition into what we're talking about, starting preschool or school or childcare, there's about 50 different terms in Australia for what we call where we send out two-year-olds, three-year-olds <laughs> and four-year-olds. Um, but it's not as simple as a drop and go, is it? And, no. and there's lots of factors, but I would say that the main one is separating. You know, we've been in that bubble with our child until the time that we return to work. And then that bubble gets broken a little bit. Like we do leave our child with somebody else. And that is going to be a cause of separation anxiety for many children. In fact, it's not even a medical thing to be separation anxiety until you get to a certain age because it's normal for a two-year-old and three-year-old to want to be with mum. That's just normal behaviour. It's just normal. They're being a kid. Exactly. So I really don't think it needs to be medicalised, but it doesn't mean that it's not distressing for the child and their parents. And it certainly doesn't mean that we just say, oh, it's normal, drop and go. I'm not, I'm not a um, they'll stop crying when you leave kind of a parent approach. I just can't do that. Um, and I don't think that it needs to be done. So that's where the prevention over cure and early intervention and all of those kind of proactive things um I, re- I think come to the fore for me yeah in my parenting yeah yeah what a great way so what are those things so I know I even had it with both of my kids that so you drop them off and even before you've even shut that door as soon as you take the child out of the arms there's tears they instantly. know they just they know, know don't they yeah 
So I think that the preparation um, happens way before getting into the car, let alone getting out of the car. And, you know, I, I think the analogy of us starting a new job is quite apt. You know, you don't turn up on your first day to meet your boss for the first time, find out who your colleagues are for the first time, learn where the toilets are and discuss what your role might be and what's expected of you. Yeah. Um, and yet we have this feeling that kids should I think someone once told me, you know, why can't you just tell your child to trust their teacher just like they should trust a doctor? And um, it doesn't work like that. And I don't think we should expect our kids to blindly trust anyone. I don't think yeah. we should want that for our kids. I think we were mentioning just off, off, off air, I should say, before <laughs> about your child starting swimming lesson. And, and um, in that scenario, your child needed to get a little bit of familiarity and trust with their swimming teacher or they were not going to get in the water with that stranger. And how completely appropriate. I mean, mm. that's, a, that's an absolute design streak of genius for our species that we don't trust strangers when we're little. We yeah, trust we, our, our primary carer. And then suddenly we went out to we tell our children, no, don't trust strangers, but then trust this person. So we're really giving <laughs> them mixed messages. That's it. So when we talk about how can you have a smooth transition, the question is really, how can we build familiarity and trust between our child and the person who will be caring for them? And I would say that there's a few ways of building, building that familiarity and trust so that your child can feel safe and secure. Um, one of them obviously is having some visits beforehand, meeting that person many times. I talk about um, the money shot, which is where you take a photograph of your child with that person who's going to be their, their carer when you're away. And then I use that money shot in stories, talking about that person, getting to know that person from the comfort of your home, mm -hmm. looking at their photograph and talking about them. So all those things that are done as part of a transition to school commonly, but also to preschool are just, they're there for that reason. It's all about building familiarity and building trust, which helps the child internalise that sense of feeling safe and secure. I know that this term can be used in many parts of, you know, business particularly as well, but it's really, when you think about it, it's the no like, and trust factor with our kids that the more. Oh, I haven't heard of this. Tell yeah. me. Oh, it's actually, I just know it from a social media perspective of the okay. no like, and trust from a social media, but, oh. um, but I guess I'm just thinking as you're saying that it's very relatable back into what you're saying around familiar familiarity, that the more yep. that, you know, that kids know their teacher, like my child, my eldest is transitioning from three to four year old kinder at the moment. And I was actually really excited when he's going to have the same kinder teacher as last year as this year. It's a male yes. teacher, which I find is really exciting in the first place. Yeah. And my first response was, oh, yes, we don't have to go through the chains. Yes. He already knows him. He already likes him and he trusts him. So that Wonderful. whole phase just We've goes, hit the okay, ground cool. running. We've hit the ground That's running. What we want. But that's really when you think about it. So know the, they like them, they respect them, they get along well with them. Yeah. And then they trust them because as you yep. say, you don't, you don't, even as adults, we don't trust people straight away necessarily if they're yeah. a complete stranger. I know. And even when we start a new job, they're like, well, will they get me? Will they know me? Will they like me? And your child might have all of those same concerns. So if we've, never, if we've never met some of these educators before, it's like even that first day, even those first few trials, what yep. can we do, particularly with, say, I don't know, maybe children that are even less than one or if just like they're babies that may not always understand 
what's going on. It's harder for babies, isn't it? It's hard, isn't it? It's harder. I think for babies you just have to take them and be with them. It depends. Look, I think, you know, as working mums, there's so many different ways of entering the workforce and it all depends on how flexible the parent is and what you can do. So in an ideal world, you have lots of visits and you have lots of crossover time and you're in the same space together, you know, maybe even for a couple of hours a few times a week, you know, and with I think with older kids, you know, the more your child can understand and understands object permanence and all of those other things, the more you can do. So I would say from about age two to three, we really have so much more we can do to help our kids because we can talk about things and they can talk back. Yeah. Yeah. So what I do for my kids and what I did for my little one when he was in Little Learners, which is where he went when he was two, was I made him stories about what was going to happen. So, yes, we did go on visit, but I think it was only one visit. Um. And then I took photos. I got the money shot of him with his teacher um, and I made stories about what was going to happen. I did a story about, and they're not epic, they're not novels, you know. I've discovered there's heaps of ways that we can prepare kids and this is used, the, the techniques used by speech pathologists, child psychologists, occupational therapists, they all have a lot of overlap. And some of the techniques that all of those types of specialists use every day with kids is stories to prepare for what's going to happen. And that's got a term called social stories or social scripts. And they're fantastic. So it's basically a story that you make for your child, very short, very to the point about what's going to happen. So I made stories about who my teacher's going to be, what happens at drop-off, I'm starting little learners, uh, what are my jobs when I get to little learners. So I had a little story about how you put your water bottle in the box and where you put your lunch box and that you go and wash your hands, just so that all those little routines are familiar. And when they arrive on that first day, they go, oh, yeah, I do put my lunch box away and I wash my hands. And I guess the thing is with all of this, no nasty surprises. Mm. That's all we want, no nasty surprises, because the more familiar things are and the more predictable, the more comfortable your kid's going to feel. Yeah, and nothing such a shock and, you know, that emotion. Just like mm. I guess it's as, as adults we see something for this first time, it's that fight or flight, you know, mentality. Yep. Like, oh, my God, I'm this is unfamiliar to me. I don't know what yep. I'm doing. Yep, absolutely. And absolutely. Then you, they obviously then want their safe person, which is probably going gonna to be mum or dad. So that's yep. obviously then why they're wanting their, their around those people in their lives and definitely around them. I think the other thing about the stories is a lot of kids are visual learners. So by having the photograph or the illustration on each page of the story that you make your child, your child might pause and want to spend extra time looking at something and that might be your clue that they want to talk about it a little bit more. And so really these stories are useful tools to convey information, but they're also a springboard to have those little chats. And if your child pauses or looks a bit sad, you might, you know, they might pipe up with a worry or a concern and then you can answer it or discuss it and that's so useful. Um, and then the other way that might come up is if you're playing with toys. I also think playing is a fantastic way to prepare for what's going to happen. So, um, you know, we might play with the toys about drop-off or we might play teachers or we might play going to little learners. Um, and some of the, you know, my little toy might be very scared about going and his toy is going to have to be the one to comfort me. Those kinds of things with some role reversals so that the kid can be, your child can be the boss or be the, the knowledgeable one I think is really helpful. Yeah. And so what did you use to make these stories? Is it, you know, I'm, I'm at, is it just like a, you're taking photos and you're uploading them into something? I used Microsoft Word. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote them and then I Googled and found pictures and then I added my own photographs and it was Honestly, Karina, I am not an artistic person and I do not need extra art and craft projects in my life. But I did it because it works and yep. my kids needed it. Yeah, I actually did it because I was going to a conference uh, interstate and I know you travel as well for work and I wanted to prepare them for um, me being away for a few nights so my first story that I wrote for my kids when they were very little was about me going away for a couple of days and it was photos and it was, you know, pictures of a Qantas aeroplane and it was about them, you know, mum will be going away, this is how we'll say goodbye, this is where the plan, and I, you know, just sketched out where Melbourne was, where the conference was, how a little calendar for how many nights I'd be away to check off. And what would it mean for them? You know, who's going to do bedtime? Who's going to do breakfast? Will they get the right cups in the morning? Will I talk to them every day? Will I be thinking about them every day? Those kinds yeah. of things. And that was really interesting because the first night that I read that story, I read it in the afternoon because I did it a few days in advance. And that night at bedtime, my little one, who was only two, was a bit tearful. And I said, do you think I'm going to go away? And he said, yes. I said, I'm not going away till the end of the week. And then we spoke about some worries and I was there for those worries and mm. I was the one that could console him. And then we spoke about it a few more times and then when it was time to go, he was ready. Yeah. So I think, um, I think sometimes parents are a little bit um, anxious or concerned that they don't want to make their child cry or don't want to make their child upset. But I think we also have to know that there are going to be situations when your child will be upset mm. and the question is are you going to be available to console them? Yeah. So if you can do some of this stuff in advance and if you can be the one to console them and work through it, be it, you know, before you go away for a bit or before they have their first day of drop-off, then you've, you've won the, you know, you've done, you've done the work, you've done that emotional preparation so that when the time comes they feel calm and there's no surprises and they know what's going to happen I think it's what you said there it really hit the nail on the head it's that emotional preparation yeah uh, I know when I went overseas I was away for eight nights I actually didn't oh. do the printout of the countdown which I've definitely learned when that happens again that I will be counting it down just before I went away, I also, we were on a plane, we'd gone into state to see family. So it was handy that I could explain to my, my son to say, oh, mommy's going on a plane. So we can say, look, this is yeah. what, so he had that level of familiarity. Yep. Now my son, I said, cause I bought back like little, I bought back a present, um, which is like a little, just Volkswagen car that I found. Oh, you're good. I like did nothing. Five euro. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, I've got two boys. They love cars. Well, next time my son, I go away, I've said to my son, I'll, ha I'll buy you like a little model train. And he goes, so he's actually asked me since he goes, like even over the break, he goes, mommy, can you go on a big plane and buy me one of those? <laughs> so he now understands, yes, mom travels and the, the, the level of familiarity is yes. there, but you are yep. so right. It's that emotional, I guess, I know. preparedness. About, I know, I see all these about things about, you know, teach your kid their ABCs before they start school, teach them this too. I'm like, no, that is not the preparation and training that they need. It's the emotional. Yeah. yeah so what can we and how like so if we're about to transition into school so my son's starting school in 12 months time 
I've actually already said next year you'll be going to school to sort of word him up to start thinking <laughs> that there's going to be a transition to say because I know it's going to be quite a process. 12 months. 12 months out, probably a little bit too soon. Maybe a little too soon. But how far do we are? And I know that there are schools do some of those transitions before, like you definitely in term four. I yeah. heard some starting even earlier. But yeah. obviously there's that physical transition. But how much is what you said is like, you know, starting that emotional transition, you know, do we start? I think all at the same yeah. time. I think, you know, I think it's fantastic to have a toe in the water with going to visit because that's when you can take your photos and get a feel of things and you're not, um, you don't have to jump in. It really is about toe in the water. Mm. And I guess it really depends on your child. But um, if you've got a child who is slower to warm up, I've got a slow to warm up child and I've got to jump in with two feet first child. So do I. Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I think it depends on your child how much lead time they're going to need. And I think, it's going to be guided by what is offered by the um, preschool or the school or wherever it is that you're going. But I would say take every opportunity to visit that is offered um, because it's it's everything. It's just like layer upon layer of building up that foundation of trust mm. and knowing what's what and, you know, knowing where things are and knowing who is around. Yeah. 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 I so think if- when they're this young knowing who their peers are going to be doesn't make that much of a difference mm-hmm. or at least it didn't for mine because the person that's looking after them is the one that matters, okay. who's the adult in the room and building familiarity with the adult. And remember that they go on lunch breaks. Like there's usually a couple of adults in the room. So I make sure my kid knows, my kids know everyone who's going to be there. Yeah. yeah. And so like, right, this is teacher A, teacher B. And, yeah. You know, and, and, and I think it's way. nice to have like little, the, all these visits, you know, you learn more and more. You might say, oh, you know, first of all, you might notice that your teacher has a big smile or they have, you know, amazing hair or whatever it is. So you comment on physical so that you get to know that and then you get to know the person a bit. Don't they crack funny jokes or aren't they amazing at art and craft or just some, just start building out that person as a 3D person for your child so that they're, um, so that they feel that they start to know them. Yeah. And how can we manage that emotionally? So if they're starting to go, I don't want to go or just they're, they're getting some of that resistance with some of the transition, yeah. is it just about that understanding like having about a talk- chat with and talking about it? I think it's about talking through the worries. I think it's about, I think, I think sometimes where parents get caught out is that they think that their kid's going to be fine and then they get to that first drop-off and then it's not fine. Yeah, I think she'll that, be right mentality. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, we're all quite hopeful and we really hope it's all going to be fine. <laughs> and we get, you know, caught up with the hustle and bustle and we don't, either we haven't haven't been parented that way ourselves or we've run out of time or, or whatever it is. I think people who know that their kid is a slow to warm up kid probably have already put in a bit bit of the time to discuss these things. And I definitely think that it's helpful if your child starts talking about these concerns in advance because mm-hmm. then you know what, what the worries are and you can start talking about them. And, you know, they're not going to say I'm concerned about and then pinpoint it, but yeah. they might say, as you said, I don't want to go. Yeah. And say, oh, that's really interesting. You know, what is, what's that about? Are you worried that because the real question is, is there something about the school that they don't like or is it that they don't want to leave mum or dad? Yeah, um, and, and those two are very and, different. Yeah, and so if it's about not wanting to leave mum or dad, that is completely understandable. And you might say back, "I'm going to miss you too," and that's when mm. you talk about, "But I'll be thinking about you every day." You know, I'm going to be there for pick up. You know, you say what's honest, obviously. Yeah. But you talk about when you're going to see them 
you know, before they, you know, if you're going to do drop-off, you talk about who's going to pick them up. You talk about when you're going to see them and how much you're looking forward to that. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that it's going to be, you know, a lot of kids find it hard at first, but it gets easier and you get braver as it goes on. Yeah. And I guess it's what you think you said before about, you know, starting a first day, like we all first at a new job, we all get anxious in ourselves. So I think it's also just putting yourself in our kids' shoes of going, in a similar situation okay right first day of course you're going to be stressed you're going to be anxious you're going to be looking for oh my god I don't know anyone and things like that so yeah it's also our kids sometimes we just assume oh no they're young they don't probably have the emotional awareness I know they actually do of course they do of course they do um you know there are some people who say oh children can't have anxiety I mean of course they can anyone can and actually the rates of anxiety are it's one in nine children, and that was pre-pandemic levels. And anxiety is the greatest. Sorry, I'll just be a bit medical for a second, or just I just like stats. Um, it's the largest health burden in five to fourteen-year-old girls in Australia, and the second largest behind asthma in boys. And no, this is pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. So it's I know. So it's it's heartbreaking, um, and I think it's partly because. We do have a bit of a she'll be right mate mentality and their kids, they're going to be fine and they'll get used to it. And all those phrases that we use maybe to make ourselves feel better. Um, and I think if we, and I, I don't know, maybe it's my, my background, but I am comfortable with talking about distressing things. And I think just acknowledging that things might be hard is incredibly helpful because mm. it validates and acknowledges where your child is at. And once a child feels validated and acknowledged, then you can move on from there. But I think you'll be fine doesn't even give the child um, uh, the validation. So they, they, there's nothing to do with those feelings of worry because you're, you're forcing it back on the child without helping them offload it. Yeah, and bottling it up and they don't know what to do with it and how to exactly. manage and work through it. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. it might be harder for the adult for them to manage their children's oh, absolutely. emotions. absolutely, it's probably, more work. And obviously as well managing their own emotions. Like when you're dropping off kids, you know, they're going through a milestone. If not got emotional the other week about, oh, I'm no longer be using a baby carrier. Like just that for me was just like, <laughs> but I know. it was just the thought that's the end of an era. And so even it transitioning to school, you're like, Oh, I know. wow, like even for you as a parent, like there's an element of um, oh, it's a familiarity. Loss. There's there's a lot that you're about to go into this new community. Who are yep. they? What happens? Yep. So probably your own uncertainties can also then go into the kids. So how can you as an adult manage, like is it also about some of that familiarity with yourself to go, yep, yeah, the teachers are good, they're, they're human, they're, you know, also telling know. a little bit of storytelling probably to yourself. I think so. I think, look, for me, maybe we're all different. I think as long as you know that your kid's fine, everything else kind of falls yeah. into place. And just going back a, a little bit, you know, you say, oh, we, how do you prepare and, and things? I think you're going to spend the time one way or another. Mm. So I would rather spend the time preparing my child before <laughs> than spending it with, you know, bucket loads of tears and horrific drop-offs for the next month. You are going to spend the time either way. So spend it smart. Yeah. Um, Preparation is key. (laughs) It is. It's power. And then for preparing yourself, I think if you know that you've done the emotional work with your child, then everything else gets so much easier. But it is nerve-wracking to leave your child with a stranger. Mm. It just is. So, you know, you do your homework, you 
look around, you talk to other parents who have been there. And then I think you just have to give yourself permission to feel sad. I mean, you see your kid in this massive oversized backpack walking in and waving goodbye and you're like, oh, my God, they're leaving home. (laughs) And they're not. You've probably got another 18 years, maybe 28 these days. Exactly. Um, (laughs) But it feels huge and you're allowed to go and have a cry in the car. Yeah. But don't cry in front of them. Don't. Yeah. (laughs) because <laughs> you have to be confident and know it's okay yeah I guess if you crack then it's just right it's all over but I guess it's also good to acknowledge those feelings back into you yes it's gonna it's a change and things like that yeah, so that little bit of vulnerability to your kids is all totally right. I think so and I think when they say you know they're gonna miss you it's completely fine to say and you're gonna miss them a lot as well it's really mm. gonna be a big change and you're gonna get used to it together yeah yep The other thing that I prepared my kids for, so um, at the start it was Microsoft Word and then my friends started wanting these stories for their kids and then other people, and I just, oh, I thought there's got to be a better way. So I I have made a better way so that other people can use all their stories for their children with their own photographs and, and everything like that. But one of the parts that I think is really important in the stories is in terms of like tears of drop off, your tears, their tears, other It's other people's tears. So if your child walks into a room, there's a good chance that there will be someone crying, especially on that first day, if not a couple. And then that's quite unsettling as well for you and for your child. Um, And so I mentioned that in my stories as well. Some kids might cry a bit and that's okay. They will get braver every day. I thought about those lines. Um, Because then it makes it okay if your child feels like crying. And it also normalises the experience of other children. Yeah, it's yeah. so useful. Yeah. So to help us through this, so you no longer use Microsoft Word, you've <laughs> created something, haven't you? <laughs> I have. I, I, I looked around at what the options were and I decided for better or worse to put all of this into an app. So I have made the Courageous Kids app, which is a whole library of pre-written stories, social stories. And because it was an app, I thought it's not enough to be done by me. So all the stories are written by me and a child psychologist with children of her own, 25 years clinical experience. And so all the stories are quite, they're short, but they are quite carefully worded. We don't say how a child will feel. We will talk about, they're very honest and they acknowledge emotions, but they don't say how your child will feel. And they sort of leave room for discussion about how things will happen. So by making it an app, when you download it, you put in characters because your child is the hero, of course, in every story. And so are you. So you choose a character for your child. You choose a character for their two most important grown-ups. It might be they've got mum and Mrs. Jones. They might have a mum and a dad, whoever. And then that means that all your stories, illustrations are customized to your child. And then when you go through for kinder stories or start or preschool stories or starting school, then you also select characters for their teachers. And that means that you've got a story instead of an art and craft project, you can make a story in about two minutes flat yeah. less once you've made your characters. Um, and then you can print them out and read them to your child or you can let your child read them on the iPad. My kids like turning the pages and seeing themselves on a screen, but they were also really happy to have it. I used to, I also print them out and just staple them or I bind them with some string and they quite like holding their stories and owning them and walking around. And because in the app, you can switch out the illustrations for photographs. They just love seeing themselves in these stories. 
That's so good and so useful. As you said, no more art and craft or using no. Microsoft Word and trying to upload. It just sounds like it would just be terrible, too hard. Terrible. Oh, and I got a, um, a beautiful, amazing illustrator. So there's the pictures, if you, because sometimes you come to a store and you don't have all the illustrations that you need. So they all come with the illustrations ready to go. And they're quite, I really wanted this to be an app for all kids and I, I don't know about your kids, but my kids will get hung up on details. Yes. So the stories are colourful and beautiful and very generic in terms of their pictures. There's no visual overload and your kid isn't going to tell you that it's wrong because, you know, the light switch is in the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so helpful. And uh, I'm sure that's a big time saver for a lot of people. And yeah. We, we, you know, we read a story every night to our kids yeah. before yeah. they go to bed and it's such a different way of thinking about, oh, yeah. I can actually make something that's relevant to them and also making them feel special of, oh, there's a yeah. story about you and, and things. Yeah, so exactly. It's, um, I mean, just it's think of those. Innovative. Um, thank you. I mean, kids love seeing even their name in a story. Mm. You know, if you think of the personalised storybooks you can get and then this is their name their picture their parents their everyone who matters to them in their story so it really you know it's exciting for them it's really exciting for them and I just think you know especially for some of us uh well I'm an you know of the generation where there was quite a lot of you'll be fine some it really gives parents the language to open up those discussions with their kids so a lot of dads are enjoying it too because they didn't get that degree of sensitive parenting that maybe us girls got I think so. And also allows a little bit of vulnerability from parents and to, yeah. to have that emotional um, where yep. sometimes you're like, oh, you'll be right, you know, dust yep. yourself off when really you can actually talk about it and it's okay to talk about it as well. Yeah. Yep. Ah, so good. Now, is there anything that we haven't included that you'd like to just give a hint or a tip around, um, you know, transitions either for the kid or oh, yeah. the child? Yeah. Yeah. Have we missed so anything? I think there's a few things. I think read your stories in advance and you were asking about the lead time, I'd say from about three weeks in advance because you want to get to the point where they've asked for it for a few times and then you might have read an extra time and then they go, Mom, I already knew that. I'll be fine. So that's good to get to that point. So I think sort of two to three weeks in advance is really helpful for stories. I think playing with the toys about the same, about three weeks. And then I also really like to make a drop-off routine. So we had a little um, plan for what would happen um, and we had not only the hug and kiss goodbye, but we had a little thumb war and a high five. Oh, that's Um, so good. Because I didn't, I feel that if you end with the hug, it's very hard to let go or be let go of. So we did the hug, the kiss, the thumb war, the high five, which I know sounds long and complicated and maybe it is because just I'm a sucker of a mum. But honestly, that extra 30 seconds I think saved us 30 minutes. And just actually just something I just sprung to my mind. This is a really good approach for not just transitions back into school but even, uh, you know, big yeah. life moments say for example yeah. moving house a new sibling coming on born like you know being born this Going storytelling approach even all to, of this yeah the dentist yeah um, i've got a couple of stories yeah. on the app about that my so kid really- fell over and yeah smashed a tooth and suddenly we had a wobbly tooth and we had to go to the dentist story we did a story first so it's so really it using doesn't stories. have to be weeks yeah. in advance it doesn't yep. have to be 
it's just conveying information in a way that can be heard, which is what we all do in our jobs every day. Yeah. So something that's relatable, that can, as you said, build up that level of familiarity. So just don't think about transitions as, uh, you know, into school and things. When you think about it, our kids go through so many big transitions in such a relatively short space of time. So this is such a good way to support you in, in making you know, helping with enable you to because we're not all the like creative geniuses and things like that. So helping come up with those are really good. I guess the other part of transitions is just that one that I mentioned right at the start of like getting out the door, which um can be a major source of stress for many families to get out on time for preschool and school and all of those things. And so that is a smaller transition, but I find a the visuals, again, are really useful for kids. So I make a little visual plan and you can do that on the app as well so that your child can see what's happening next so that they know what's expected of them. And that builds their autonomy. It shows them what's going to happen. And most importantly, it stops you from nagging them because yeah. you can say to a two-year-old or a three-year-old, what's next on your plan? And they'll say, I have to brush my teeth. And you can say, yes. You legend, off you go. Well, they'll already be going off to do it because you told them they're amazing, Um, which is such a different dynamic in the morning to brush your teeth. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And also I just think that dynamic in the morning, you need it to be calm and settled even when you're rushing because this is all the lead up to their drop-off, which is the Mm. stressful part of their morning. So you really want to um, de-stress the rest of it. So use your tools to make those little micro transitions easier from breakfast to brushing teeth to getting dressed, all those things. They're all little mini transitions from task to task. And so having it down in a visual with a visual plan um, is the other trick that helps us. I love it all. No, so many, so many gems of gold in there and something that seems so simple, but I know... Yeah, it's uh yeah, I'm definitely going to be implementing those myself. So just even just the just even the talking and the stories and things like that. So so good. Yeah. Thank you so much, Catherine. Just quickly, I always finish off. What do you do for self-care? I go for walks. I love swimming. And I think just getting outdoors, being in nature. Yeah. Depends how long I've got. If I've got five or ten minutes, I'll go for a walk. If I've got a weekend with the family, we'll go camping. Ah, oh, sensational. And where can people find out more about the Courageous Kids app and also yourself? Oh, they can go to the website, which is www.courageouskidsapp.com. And the, my Instagram handle is at Courageous Kids app. And we were just talking before, I, I'm not all over every social media known to man, but I am on Facebook as well. But um, I cannot keep on top of it all. So mostly yeah. Instagram. Mostly Instagram and the website. Yeah. Sensational. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I have to say it's um, definitely been so valuable. I know in actually speaking with you now, I've got so much out of it. So (laughs) definitely if you're listening, check out the Courageous Kids app. It's not very expensive at all and it's definitely probably one of the best value things you're going to get with your kids. Um, So go check it out and I'm sure you will be thanking Catherine for actually coming up with this concept um, as a result. So thank you so much. And uh, yeah, definitely check it out and and, um, love to hear your thoughts. If you have downloaded it, let Catherine know. So then, um, yeah, you you know, give her, give her the feedback because she's just a fellow working mom like the rest of us. (laughs) Thanks so much, Karina. This is my favorite topic, how we prepare kids and set them up for success. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch-up. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A, or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week. Thank you.